I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. At Caller, we've always looked at the future, leading the way with our renewable gas bio-LPG. Ideal for off-grid homes and businesses, it cuts emissions by up to 90%. So, if like Mary and Mick Gorman and Abby Leakes, you're looking for a cleaner, more efficient way to cook and heat your home, our renewable gas is the right solution for you. And one that protects the planet too. Bio-LPG. Renewable gas from Calor. Find out more at calorgas.ie. Welcome to the bloodandmud.com podcast, your sweary pipe bomb of rugby knowledge. Very much, Josh, I think, the Kingsley Jones networking of podcasts. <laughs> I mean, that is, a, that is a high, high bar that you said. Yeah, somebody, so somebody didn't see that this week. Kingsley Jones explained how he has a network to go and find players for Dragons for next year. And in the next <laughs> paragraph, to explain that his network was Skyping people in France and New Zealand and asking them for a few names. I think he, it's revolutionary. I think, I I think mean, he rather sure overstated what he is capable of yeah. doing, I'll be honest. I, I, I can only imagine that all the clubs in England and France will be onto him immediately about this. I mean, <laughs> yes. it's, it's, it's What truly, crazy truly. new invention is this network you talk about? Anyway, <laughs> so here we are networking in the Kingsley Jones uh, mm. True Thing. Thanks, yes, we are. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Uh, coming up tonight, we're going to talk about uh, the only fixture of the weekend that mattered in our eyes. So not very good seasons. Uh, mm. the shit good ratings as per usual have a look ahead to the European Cup final and also discuss uh, after some things at the weekend and the thing that apparently comes up what should we do about the TMO how will the, how does that sound Indeed. for you Josh it sounds like an awful lot to get through it sounds like a lot to get through so let's, let's crack on thank you very much Indeed. for listening everybody you can get in touch with the pod at bloodandmud.com or you can get in touch with Josh uh, at Josh Gardner or at Rugby Show Watch and thanks for everyone who's left reviews uh, a couple of comments about the, the volume uh, or some of the sound levels not being quite right uh, you may or may not know this is mixed by me and you know <laughs> I think you've made the mistake of assuming that we actually know what we're doing we've said this point before yeah, no we really uh, don't we do, <laughs> we do try our very best <laughs> but I'll be honest it is a little bit 
of a struggle. Before we get into mm. the week, Josh, uh, let me do something here. A little bit of a quiz. Oh I'll ask you two questions. Next week, yes. you can return the hideous thing I'm about to do to you by asking me to. And yes. it's basically, right, the question is, whose, whose career path is this? Ooh, okay. All right? Let me start mm. with this one. This is somebody who's still playing. I'll give you that quote, right? I'll give you that clue. So here's mm. his, career, his career path. Try and guess it. Bristol, mm. London Wasps, Glasgow Warriors, mm. Worcester Warriors, Bristol. I know exactly who that is. I thought you might do, who's that? Fucking David Lemmy, isn't it? Correct, well Get done. Get in there. <laughs> I did one of my all-time favourite Bristol players. He's a wonderful player. I don't, I don't player, have yeah, many, to be honest with you. But um, <laughs> yes, he, he is one he is of a, the most fabulously gifted players I've ever seen live. At a te- and, and when we did our tiny, teeny tiny rugby players oh, where was David week, he, did, he didn't come up, did he? Yes. We, everybody forgot David Lemmy, which is, which is something I will chastise myself for when we're finished. Mm. Second one, then, and you can have a, like I say, you can get your revenge next week. Of yes. course, you might get this one, and then I'll have to basically make myself look a right tit next week when I, get no, <laughs> when I get nothing right. Here we go, then. This person is not playing anymore. I'll give you that as a clue. All right. Here's their career path Bedford Blues, oh dear. Saracens, Edinburgh, US Montauban in France, Castres, Stade Montois. I have got no fucking idea. He's a British player. Right. I second. What? No, I couldn't. I... Started his career in the mid nineties. Did go on, went on a Lions tour. Presumably, is he Scottish? He is Scottish. He's a forward. Oh no! Loads of people out there are screaming his name now. I, I bet. No, All right. I'm, I'm, I'm going to. Okay, fair enough. It's Scott Murray. Ah. Remember Scott Murray? Yes, Massive ears. Yes, six is. foot seven, mm. only weighed about 15 and a half stone. <laughs> it was a bit of a problem for a lock, yeah. Which is a bit of a problem for a lock. Uh, yeah. yeah, so anyway, that was a little bit of a quiz to start with. Uh, next week, pick two for me next week. I will, and I, I will, certainly I'll hum- will. And I'll humiliate myself <laughs> on a level that has not been seen before. Indeed. Right, so the Cuthbert Police on Cup. Indeed, for all the Final. Talk, yes, for all the talk last week of, of playoff places and Championship Cup qualification and all of that stuff, there was actually only one game that we really cared about this week, let's face it. The Cuthbert Police on Cup clash between holders and worthy holders. Let's not beat around the bush yeah. here. Zebre and, uh, and the Dragons. And now, when the teams were announced in the week, I think... I made it quite clear that I was slightly concerned for the Dragons because it was almost as if they didn't know that this wasn't some meaningless end of season yeah. run out. I mean, it's not like we've not given out repeated warnings exactly. to them of I mean, what this game is going this to This was mean. a huge game with massive implications for their season. But instead, Kingsley James opted to not pick the departing Talupe Fallis out and he left most of their good players, namely Ronald Lamban, Carl Mayer and Sal Pretorius, on the bench. Um, and fielded a load of kids and debutants instead, and uh, yeah, that worked out well. He did. He, well, he, he had to bang out a quick email for the team with the team list on it in the in the two minutes he had between networking. Well, that's the thing. He's got lots on at the moment. You know, he's basically having a. He had a two-week job interview to be the new Dragons <laughs> boss, and uh, he he talked a lot about networking. He got dicked by the Scarlets, and then he went up to Zebra and won the Cuthbert Police on Cup. So. Um, Look forward to however many so years if, he is. If by a man's works, it should, will we know him? <laughs> he is basically sort of a, an old tin of tuna floating in a cesspool. Bas- at the basically, minute, yes. I mean, there's 
there's not a lot yeah. that can be said about about his I did, qualities I did as a like, coach, but good God, that's not said, gone well. As you said, it's almost like that the Dragons didn't really care about he, some random thing invented on a low interest uh, pound shop podcast. Exactly. I mean, no, I, I can't believe that personally. I mean, that just seems it is like a disgrace, crazy talk. Really. But yeah, I mean, you know, I don't know. That's no. certainly that's certainly the opinion, like the the vibe that they gave off. Yeah, and, I mean, to be fair, I was trying to get the hashtag going on Twitter. There wasn't a great deal of takers. I'll be honest, there was about five people. Um, although it was, there was something of a deluge at the end of the game. It must be said, people well, were saying, "Oh people, my word, what has yes, happened?" Here? Well, exactly. I mean, forty-seven points. They won forty. In case you didn't know already, of course you do. We've done nothing but talk about it. But um, <laughs> Zebra won forty-seven twenty-two in the end, and forty-seven. 47- I predicted Zebra would win by five points in yes. the preview that I had to do for the game. Obviously, I never saw this coming no at all. I, I mean 47 is the most points that zebra have scored all season so weirdly that, they've got they've got a good record at home against other really shit teams they have it's almost like when teams are down at their level they can actually turn in a bit of a performance but plus I they mean, did have the champions cup to go for didn't they which just the highlights the some, absolute madness of well, it didn't they? that is that is the flip side of it it's like we can have fun and games with it all we want but let's not forget the bitter fucked up sting in the tail which is that they finish above Teresa now, and as you say, they're now playing in the Champions Cup next season. A team that went five months without winning a game, who didn't score an away point in three games, um, will be in Europe's elite competition, while the likes of Cardiff, Ospreys, Gloucester, Bath and Cast won't. And that is just an absurd, ridiculous situation. It is, and but let's spare a thought for the Dragons now. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's spare a thought for the Dragons now. They have to... What? Drag that cup home. What can you say? I mean, and have it winking at them all summer as I a reminder know. of their abject, abject season. I mean, they finished above Zebra. Yeah. But I don't think that's relevant now. There's no, it's not. They won, less, they won less games than Zebra, though, which is pretty fucking I dire. hadn't realised that. Yeah. yeah. That is pretty I mean, fucking awful, isn't it? You can't they deny look it. a better team they than are. Zebra, I mean, do, Zebra don't look a team. Zebra look a terrible team. No, yeah, when exactly. When you see them play, they look an awful They look like a, an team. amateur rugby team playing at a professional level. Yeah, whereas level. Dragons, when you see them play, look like, one, a team that's played rugby before, and two, a team that can muster something of a shit. This is true, and, and let's not forget, they also made it to the Challenge Cup semi-final, so they, oh, yeah. they can't be shit. Yeah, they and yet... The and I mean, made it, and, made, and, and, put, and then put a pretty decent fight up against the team that's got the budget of, you know, a small... Tax Haven Island, basically. Exactly. And, 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 but then, that's not. They just lost by 20 points to Zebra, and them's <laughs> is the rules. Like, you can, I, yeah, you I can don't, put it in all the flowery language you want. Exactly. But when I don't make the it, rules. Actually, that's not true. I did make the rules, but the rules are still <laughs> the rules, and there's no getting away from it. They, they absolutely screwed the pooch magnificently. And as a result, they will start next season in possession of rugby's most unwanted prize. So. I do like the fact that with it going back into uh, the new season, though, it can move around a bit. It could end up, it could end up in Ireland if Dragons get their act together. It could end up in, a, in another part of Europe. It could. Uh, that's of kind course. of one thing that I'm quite potentially looking forward to, is that if the Dragons can have a bit of a rough start to the season, there is a chance that they might not win a game until the Challenge Cup. Yeah, and then it could end up God knows where. It could end we up could... in Russia, that exact, mad Russian team exactly, that's in Siberia. Exactly, we could, could end would, up in we, yeah, Spain have... or Romania, and we would have no way of keeping track of the results. <laughs> we'd have to, we'd have to keep track amazing. of the, 
Russian Premier Division, I know, however the hell you do Which that. would become a weird thing to add to my fucking Google alerts, I'll tell you that. It certainly would, and actually we'd have to use Google Translate, which will probably say things like Eggman don't win <laughs> type thing, won't it? It'll be all kinds of strange things. Anyway, so yeah, so that was the Cosmic Blitzer Cup. It's finally over for a season. Thank you everybody for bearing with us. Dragons have gone home with it. They have indeed. And, and That leads us on to something that I thought about. Well, who else is having a pretty bad season? out there yes. and it's what I'd like to call the 2016 Shitwatch Hall of Fame yes I mean now actually um, it sounds like I'm taking a piss here but let me share a little share a little personal story with you Josh okay please do I free. did once play for a club when I was living in South Wales that hadn't won a game for two full seasons <laughs> there'd been two, two seasons of relegation and we ended up in Division 4 East Central I think at that time it's where all the in cool the, kids are in the first season I was there we managed to ne- we, we lost in the last minute at Blind Avon uh, and I am not being one going to Blind Avon is like playing rugby at Castle Black <laughs> for those of you who are a Game of Thrones fan it out is there. indeed yes it's like going to the wall to play rugby <laughs> and two people were genuinely actually tearing up at the end of that game because we were so heartbroken because <laughs> we thought we'd win um and then we finally we finally went to Canton and won at Canton that season towards the end of that season. And Canton, sorry lads, I don't know about from Canton, you know they they were crap then, as we were. <laughs> it was it turned into a massive piss up. The press got wind of it. They came and interviewed our coach, who told them all about how shit we were and how we won this game. <laughs> we were dead, and we were dead chuffed. And the club committee were fucking fuming. Oh, I bet they, they were. were absolutely fuming. <laughs> so I'm about to. Go, we're about to go into people who've had bad seasons, right? Mm. But please don't think that we're mocking too much, because honestly, no. I have experience of this. I know what it's like, and in a way, these kind of clubs say what's brilliant about yes. fucking amateur rugby and, in, in my mind. And not to beat around the bush, but the first club that I'm going to come on to is my club so um <laughs> yes i mean it's, you look at, at the professional leagues and you look at things like you know you've got the dragons you've got Treviso, you've got zebra i mean if you go to super rugby you've got the kings or, or the sunwolves the kings of they've somehow managed to concede like lose by an average of 29 points per game for only eight games of the season and they've only won once all year that's bad but if you want to see real futility you've got to go <laughs> you've got to start going down and Depressingly for me, you don't have to go down very far, um, and you've only got to go down to the Welsh Premiership and look at my club, Neath. Um, for a club that that five or six years ago they they were they were winning the league for the fourth time out of five in five years and looked as if they would go on to dominate sort of semi-pro rugby in Wales for years to come. Um, this has been a historic and catastrophically sad season. Um, I don't know the ins and outs of it, but isn't there some kind of terrible owner? There Dodgy was that, financials. That's basically hung over on. the club for the last four or five years, and it's finally been taken care of now. But far too late to do anything about the club this season. And um, their record in the league this year reads: uh, played twenty-two, won one, drawn one, lost twenty, uh, and they didn't even win that game until about three weeks ago. I'll be honest. And, they sound- and they haven't. They haven't just been losing. They have been getting absolutely fucking battered by like Clandovery and like by seventy points and things like this. It's been an awfully horrendously bad season. Judging by some of the other teams that we found, that sounds like a fairly capable season. Well, yeah, I mean, but we are talking about this is the second tier of Welsh rugby. This is semi, and they are a legendary, legendary name. Exactly, and they are a semi-professional team, if not fully professional, and. 
the only reason that they're not getting relegated is because they're lucky enough that the Premiership is being expanded um, to 14 teams this year so they've actually but I think they might have basically just thrown if all, if all of it signed Andy Powell see well exactly he's had the magic at Merthyr hasn't he <laughs> he did say on Twitter that he absolutely loved playing semi-pro rugby on uh, Saturday which I assume mean that he was drunk at that time but, uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah so another p- person who worked Kieran the reason why I thought to do this is that Kieran Lachlan got in touch with us on Twitter uh, at Blood and Mud and said um, here's one to rival hashtag Zebra Shitwatch check out mm. Lan Harren's championship record this season oh yes now I know it's it's, it's spelt Lan Harren but in South yes. Wales everyone calls it Lan Harren so don't pick any pedants out there don't hit me up on that one um, <laughs> they've played 25 mm. and lost 25 uh, with an average and as Kieran pointed out that's an average result each week at their, we'll look at their patch difference of 59 55 points to 9 is their average Ouch. result every single week? <laughs> yes. Yeah, see, I was also looking down the leagues. I found uh, Launceston in. Uh, is that how you pronounce it? Oh, God, Launceston. Launceston. God, this. Weirdly, it's though. Stu- weirdly, it's one of those stupid English names that doesn't make any sense. Weirdly and ironically, um, and they've, they've probably not done themselves a very good favour here, is that they actually call themselves the Cornish All Blacks. Yeah, I've noticed that. And you know the That's... All Blacks, you know the most titular. You know, yeah. Team like, in the world rugby, you know, the most dominant team in 111 mm. years of international rugby, and then as a kind of compare and contrast here with the Cornish ones who'd tried to set a name on. Yes, and even Neath call themselves the Welsh All Blacks. Of course they do. There's, there's, there's a so, thread here, isn't there? Is exactly. It's basically, don't lay claim to that name unless you can back it up, or people will fucking yeah. dick you. And so, yes, uh, Launceston did National Two South, whose record this season reads: played 30, won zero, lost 29, and drawn one. Um, but the points difference of minus one thousand and thirteen, average which, score forty three nine. Yeah, that'll do. What made me particularly proud of this club, and I mean this, I'm on, I honestly mean it, that they've kept going all season. They've fulfilled the fixtures right, and they are in Cornwall, and they're in Division mm. National League Two South, which means they have to cover. So they play against teams like Cambridge, yeah, and Bury St Edmunds in Suffolk. Mm. They went to Cambridge, which is a 596 mile round trip, and they Holy lost shit. 109 nil. Oh my god! And then I, they I, kept going. I hope, I hope at least they had a lot of beers on the bus on the way home. You would hope so, wouldn't you? Literally I hope they didn't have it. a lot of pills or razor blades. So that's what I do hope. <laughs> but they also went to Bury St Edmunds, which is even further, which is a 612 mile round trip, and they lost oh by god. three points. Oh, that's, I mean, I don't know what's actually, worse. What's worse, going and getting worse. a pasty? That is worse. Or a, that is so much if it's, worse. Honestly, if it was anything like my experience at Blind Avon that time, that would be. I know exactly how they feel if they lost yeah, that. Bank that that is going to be so much worse because it's the hope that kills you. Absolutely. It really, really is. At least if you're, you know, 109 nil, you must have been at least 40, 50 points down by half time. You know how that's going. Yes. But losing by oh, that's horrible. The the one draw they had was against South End, which again that was at home. That's a hell. Oh, South okay, End right. at home. They didn't suffer. South End. Well, I suppose South End had to go home, drawing with the worst team in the league, yes. so they probably weren't very happy either. <laughs> so, uh, but seriously, Lawson, I'd look at their Twitter feed actually, and they seem like a great club, and they're very positive mm. about their season. And uh, honestly, lads, I've been there. I know what it's like. <laughs> and keep it on going and travelling those distances. I got honestly, I've got nothing but fucking respect for you. I really have. Absolutely. Moving on um, north of the border. Yes, I think we both came across this one, which is probably the king of of, of all awfulness, let's be honest. Yes. Um, 
I'll take you on a journey to uh, to Scottish National League Division Two and Basement Club Greenock Wanderers. Uh, Greenock Wanderers, RFC. I can't. Oh, Greenock Wanderers. Yeah, that's right. Josh. Yes. Uh, they finished their season with a record of played twenty two, lost twenty two, and a points difference of minus eight hundred and seventy four. Average score of bad. fifty points to ten each week. Exactly. Bad, but you know, not not not, not too bad. Any much worse, worse than the others we talked to. However. They picked up just two losing bonus points all season, but that's not the real reason that they belong right at, at the pinnacle or at the bottom, depending on how you look at it, of, of shit seasons. Oh, no. some reason, I, I don't know why, um, the club was actually given a points deduction for something or another, um, and that meant that in spite of their two losing bonus points, the club finished the season with a grand total of minus one points. Negative. They played 22 games and they've ended up with less points than they started with. And again, they fulfilled their fixtures though. And for that, you know, I've got a great deal of respect. The, um, yeah. If, if there was anybody is out there, I know we've got a few Scottish listeners out there who are quite engaged in the local Scottish leagues and, and game. What's the story of Ingredient Wanderers? Why did they lose those points? Does anybody know? Yes, Please let us I know. Can't fi- I couldn't find out on Google. Please let us know uh, so. at Blood and Mud, at Blood and Mud, or at Josh Gardner, because we would genuinely mm-hmm. be interested to know. And again, all respect to you lads for keeping your season going, because some people chip absolutely. Some people chip out halfway through the season. Speaking of chipping out, I've I read today uh, there's that Tradiga are having a horrible time in Wales, a grand old name, which is not too good. Indeed. And also, I've heard that this week at Cardiff Internationals, the kayaks. Um, had to basically stop fulfilling their fixtures due to how they've managed mm. to keep going for this long I don't know they based it down in the docks kayaks they were originally the docks team yeah. I played against kayaks on the Marl in Grangetown and you Oof. know you know it's going to which is a public park and you know it's a good yes. game when you've got to walk along it before you start to check for needles and or dog shit <laughs> um, but it's... they were always a tough team kayaks and it's very very sad to hear that but they reckon they might pull themselves back together for next season so fair you've got to hope so haven't you fair play to... uh... and speaking of commitment right while we were looking around at while I was in the basement leagues around <laughs> this great isle of ours I didn't look at France. There must be somebody in France who's having a terrible time as well. But um, I noticed in in National League 3 in Scotland, right, that league contains both Berwick, which is basically in Northumberland, Mm. right, and also Orkney. Holy shit. That fixture fixture is a 735-mile round trip that involves a fucking boat and everything. (laughs) I love rugby. I mean, that is that fucking right brilliant, there isn't is it? Marvelous. And they've managed to Nobody's fulfill. Paid they, they, for that. Berwick have and uh, uh, Orkney have both finished mid-table-ish. Now I think Berwick man have not done too well, but none of them have been humiliated. It's one of those everyone's picked points up at different points yeah. of the league. But that is unbelievable. Every trip, every away trip Orkney go on must be. It has to be a whole weekender. Yeah. At least when, and not even a fun weekender where you get to spend the whole night getting smashed. It's literally get on a bus and go home to be home in time for work on Monday. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, they must have to take a half day I'm, on Friday, get on a bus... <laughs> to get on a ferry. Drive, to, get, <laughs> to get on a ferry to drive through the fucking night to get down to... Wherever. Oh my God, fair play to them. I mean, massive, massive respect for, if you happen to play for If you're Orkney, out there for Orkney, I mean, that, that is seriously incredible. Heroic. Brilliant, yes, heroic, really legendary is. stuff and... And you know mm. we salute you with everything we can salute you with. So that was Indeed. that was our little trip. Anything else that you found, Josh? You want to share, or was that? Uh, no, that was pretty much me. So so uh... yeah. So that's another reflection of you know we can talk about the teams of the season and we can talk about all this, but actually in a way this is what makes rugby. And we wanted to kind of reflect that as much as 
it isn't you know it isn't great to draw attention to these things but i think they should have attention towards them because these are the these are the the cogs and the machine that works the machine of rugby i think indeed Two right ones. then so moving away from that kind of stuff let's look at a review of the no. weekend then shall we josh let's uh, indeed it was uh it was a final, was round, a final of round of the premiership in the first this weekend and uh, yeah certainly quite a few of the teams were clearly playing as if they were already in Dubai Vegas Santorini or wherever yes. swanky sun soaked resort they'll be spending their summer breaks on because uh, yeah it was a bit of a weird one and uh, the weirdest result for me was in the Aviva Premiership with Exeter absolutely tonking Quins at the stoop oh absolutely like they're, they're, we'll come on to it there were some pretty bad results this weekend but the most embarrassing one by far I think is Quins who I mean despite the fact They've been, they've basically been playing like they don't give a shit since Conor O'Shea decided that he said that he was leaving. Um, but they were still sixth, and they were on course to qualify for the Champions Cup. And then, and then Exeter happens, and Christ, yeah, like they. I mean, the scoreboard might have shown that they were still in touch at half time, but that was being really generous, to be honest, because pretty much from minute one they were just embarrassed and humiliated in every facet of the game and Exeter like, are normally fa- you know, points... uh, this kind of you know what you get with Exeter don't you good team but you know what you get they're efficient you know they're clinical getting. yeah actually, exactly this wasn't but that... really it was it the weekend it was a different no they were fantastic they were on another level but like that's the most points that Quinns have ever shipped at home um, in the premiership they conceded 10 tries they were reduced to a bloody pulp in the tight and outpaced and outthought in the wide channels and they somehow managed to miss 23 tackles as well which uh it's a wonderful. That is pretty. Fucking to be honest, missed tackles. Missed tackles was a relative thing because I've noticed that. To be honest, most games have a sort of double figures missed tackle recording thing. I think it's just something about the game of rugby union that some tackles you bounce off. I think. Yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's the nature, I guess, of defenses being slightly stretched at times that you're going to miss tackles. But yeah, the the twenty three is a bad stat, and it kind of showed how. Yes let's say fair they were really being as far as their defence go I mean I don't want to take anything away from Exeter because they were magnificent and they reminded everybody that they do have genuine title credentials but yeah, as I've, the way Quinn's surrendered in the second half like god I've been saying all the way through the year and I'll continue to say it that Essex are still Essex Exeter <laughs> Essex are definitely you know not what I'm talking about yeah no they're, e- they're terrible <laughs> South End and Essex they drew with Launceston <laughs> the, uh, the, indeed the um, Exeter is very much a project still You've got yeah. to remember where they were five years ago and where they might be in yeah. five years' time. And I think they, they should never lose sight of that. Really. And to, to actually finish a, a game like this, a developing game plan and all that kind of stuff. Absolutely. Rob Baxter seems a decent guy. So it's a, he you does. Know, yeah. If they well, could just get coach, rid of the you know, rank and terrible cult, cultural appropriation, I'd be right oh, behind them. You know, but it's, God, I really <laughs> would. Like they would, they would literally be my second team if they could just get rid of all that silly shit because... They're almost they fantastic atmosphere it down is. there, and they've got brilliant fans, and it's just everything is great about that club, with the exception of the ugly cultural <laughs> appropriation. And it's just like for God's sake, guys! Just Northampton no. managed to win. Yes, uh, but when I say they managed to win. I think Gloucester managed to lose more than anything else. Yes, but, um, Billy Twelve Trees yeah. another horror show. Yes, and uh, and another run out for Greg Laidlaw at 10 which is interesting he played at 10 a lot in Scotland apparently somebody, I, yeah. I made the point on Twitter and somebody I can't remember who it was now but somebody said to me he played quite a bit at 10 when he was up at Edinburgh so mm. um, so maybe you know I think, yeah, as I said, it says a lot about James Hook doesn't it says it? a lot about James Hook but you know you would, somebody, somebody else pointed out you wouldn't mind being a 12 running down that channel would you 
No, definitely not. <laughs> Hello. Um, yeah, and then obviously uh, some teams, it was quite obvious that they were trying to keep their powder dry for playoff commitments. Leicester being probably the biggest uh, offenders yeah. there. I mean, they, they rested quite a lot of key players. And of players, course, Saracens have got another they, game they, coming up this week, haven't they? Which they want to keep their... Well, exactly. But um, I think Leicester gave a, a very good account to themselves considering that they were playing with quite a sort of young and fairly inexperienced pack. I mean, obviously... Yeah. Bath won in the end, but it was a really entertaining, really great game. Something to be said for games like and, this, isn't there? Where basically there's not much riding on it. Yeah, and everybody can have a good time. Almost sort of. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, less. I mean, Worcester Saracens was kind of. I mean, Worcester have basically we've mentioned. This before, <laughs> they've they, completely given. They hit. They hit the beach about a month ago, didn't they? But they apart were, from Hugard, he's going. Come on, lads! Come yeah, on! For fuck's sake! <laughs> yes. Um, and yeah, I mean, most of them were playing like they'd already put, uh, polished off a pitcher of sangria anyway. So it was yeah. just. It, yeah, and it's fun. It was quite entertaining. Was fun bits, what was less fun was the protest. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Things I'm act- sorry to things laugh. I'm sorry to cackle in such a no. way. No. <laughs> But things actually mattered in the Pro 12 final day, and um, yes, it was a fucking shambolic, dark day for, uh, in a truly awful season for Welsh rugby. Um, the Ospreys and the Scarlets had a chance of finishing in the top four and top six, respectively, and uh, they both absolutely shat the bed. I mean, at least the Scarlets had the excuse of playing away uh, at Munster, which is even in a down season is never easy, mm. but um, the Ospreys were at home, and the effort in the second half against Ulster was unforgivably pathetic um, some of the, sh- the tries that they shipped in the second 40 and the general defending and effort that they uh, showed for some of those Ulster tries um, you've got to wonder if any of them are that bothered about qualifying for the Champions Cup really which is a bit of a worrying sign I did think, well, were they more, more bothered about fucking up Saracens' life uh, Scarlet's life <laughs> <laughs> well maybe there was a little bit of that in it as well but I just, just I mean Reese Webb probably had the worst game I've seen him have in about two years he was dreadful yeah. Um, and just I you mean, know why that happened don't people you? Turned up. because you said, yeah, la- we said you was, said last week you should be respected for life that's why that happened I, know. I didn't get involved I in that I told you to stop but you carried on <laughs> regardless I, I I don't know I don't know this power that I have <laughs> you forget yes but uh, yeah what, what's really pissed me off is that 10,000 fans turned up to watch that game pretty much mm. um, which is a good crowd yeah. for Welsh regional rugby let's be honest uh, and the product that they put on the team, on the field was was quite embarrassing and didn't really respect that the fans that had forked out their hard earned to get there. It was quite a quite a shameful moment in the history of the region, to be honest. Um, and it kind of puts the a real sort of cherry on top of what must be probably the worst. I think Shane Williams in a column today said that it was he the did, worst yeah. season in the history of of Welsh regional rugby, and I think he's right because I mean it really has like Welsh regions have been second class citizens as far as financial things go for some time but um, this year I think everything came home to roost and it has been an absolute fucking shit stoke like it's just awful from start to finish do you have and any hope for the I, future quite... Josh there's no hope coming out of your voice right now I apologise out of anybody <laughs> I mean... if anybody's feeling down you might want to <laughs> yeah no I mean I'm pretty low you might have guessed <laughs> I mean no I mean the World Cup has fucked everything up the war with the WRU mm left them dreadfully under-resourced for years and also left them with very poor coaches because they were shopping in Lidl, basically. Um, (laughs) That's a very good way of putting it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but like, there's... It's not all that bad, I don't think. I think there's there's more money coming in now. There's there's more interest in the game. The game just seemed to be on the up overall. I think that there is probably 
this is probably hopefully as bad as it will get. I mean, the Blues, like with the exception of the Blues, there are big questions that need to be asked, I think, at all regions regarding personnel and coaching. But yeah. it's not quite as hopeless as perhaps... It, if this had been last season, I would basically have just gone, well, we might as well just write this whole regional thing off and be done with it. But you heard it here. With the you money heard it here the... first, folks. It's not quite as. It's hopefully not quite as bad as it looks. That's the mission statement <laughs> for WRU. Maybe, maybe. the mission maybe. statement for WRU yes. moving forward. Hopefully, it's not as bad as it looks. Yeah, that that is as, as positive as I can get. Um, I like. I don't want to be too negative because let's forget that in both Pro Twelve and Premiership these days, as we said, it was a really quite entertaining final weekend. I mean, the sun was out. There were tries everywhere. Um, except in Connacht, yeah. by the way, which was uh, brilliant. Of course, it was shitting it down with rain in Connacht. But um, yeah, yeah, Alice, uh, it, it, and that yeah, was Alistair Curry of... said about that game that it was shit that they haven't got it. That Glasgow managed not to get a home tie. But on the flip side of it is Alistair Curry on Twitter, Blood and Mud said, um, "At least we don't have to play resurgent Ulster now." So it's a kind of swings and roundabout scenario. Exactly. Isn't it? Fair play to Ulster; they looked incredibly decent, um, and and obviously, they, I think they they. Could quite well go to Leinster and win. To be honest, they just have to um, pretend it's France. They pretend that it's France because yeah, well, exactly. they won every time they went over to France. Didn't they? <laughs> or just pre- pretend that they're at home because they actually <laughs> dicked Leinster a couple of weeks ago. Like, you but, still uh, can't predict anything yes. that's going to happen with Leinster. I don't think. No, they're such a weird team. They make no sense to me whatsoever. Oh, yeah, so we will do the predictions for next week. Next week, if you know what I mean. Um, and yes. we'll talk about the European yes. Cup final later on. Uh, but that was kind of indeed the weekend. Horrible if you're Welsh. It bit was. better if you're Irish. Very awful. Probably what you expected if you were if you were Scottish. Borderline suicidal if you were a Quinsley. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Let's move on <laughs> to the uh, shit good ratings, shall we? Um, Indeed, let's. Let's talk about the Player of the Year nominations. And my first shit is that all the Player of the Year nominations, <laughs> both domestic and European, seem to be being completely engulfed by Chubby Tommy's corpulence. I mean... Yes, he is still. There is still the top scorer in the Premiership. Did you know that? Did, did you know? know do you know who was I, the top I, scorer in the Premiership I, last year, Josh? I, I do know. You're slightly getting ahead All of right, me sorry. in my my goods here, but yes, yes, I'm I'm fully aware that Chubby <laughs> Tommy is on course to back to back top the. I had I had genuinely had no idea. I didn't know that, and I I discovered it this week with genuine utter horror um, I mean you can't there comes a point where you've just got to accept that and you've got to throw your hands up and say you know what this makes no sense to me but clearly something there's some weird fucking juju going on here and it's it's working for him <laughs> and it doesn't make any sense but it but you can't argue with a number eight being fucking top try scorer in the Premiership but, two no, years No, and running. also there was some. There's actually some historical um, pre-examples if that's the right word, which I know it isn't of this, because mm. uh, back in 1998-99, the top try scorer mm. in the Premiership with 16 tries was one Mr. Neil Back. Ah, so actually, I think well. if you've got a sort of efficient, dominant pack who get you into the right position, then yeah. somebody who can do that fall over thing, which is what Neil Back could do very yes, well, among other things, is going to be yes. a very, very big try scorer. It's fucking exactly. depressing, isn't it, to think that, about it. That's all it the, takes. The difference that's is what... that, that Neil Back did other things <laughs> as well. But um, other, yeah. other than like he was I mean, about to explode out of a, of a head guard, which is what a. Basically, but it is depressing yes. when you think about it. Um, that's all it takes. It's all. Oh, 
It's awful. Like, can you imagine the Super Rugby ever having a top try scorer as a number eight? I mean, it just <laughs> speaks volumes to the mentality, doesn't it? And I'm not, you know, I think I often come across like I think the Super Rugby is just better than well, us. But that's because it I is. Think that, but, but, but well, at the, at the top, yeah. at the top level, but, it is. Indeed, and and also I like back scoring tries that involve some semblance of creativity. I enjoy the like nitty gritty yeah. shit. But my version of rugby is not a rolling ball and then. I a don't try. mind that. I just don't That's, like it. I can. I don't mind it now. I and just then, don't, like, I don't it like it when the, the logical time. conclusion of it is, is that Chubby Tommy is the top scorer for two years on the bounce. Yes, that that speaks to me that somebody needs to do something like that in terms of players of the season nomination. Acast recommends podcasts we love. Changemakers is a new podcast series with me, Claire McKenna, talking to people who stand up, speak out, or challenge us to think a little differently. It's about the greater good, families and children respecting their own individuality. In the next couple of years, like I hope I never have to have conversations about racism ever again. Like, I just want to get to the stage where, you know, people are just people. Nobody's pooling the resources together and actually being able to show how much of an impact it will make when people do come together. Changemakers with Claire McKenna. Search for it now wherever you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the world's best podcasts, including the David McWilliams podcast, I'm Grandmam, and the one you're listening to right now. I can't work out if it's shit mm. or good that Andy Goode's been nominated as Player of the Year. I think it's magnificent. I think it's wonderful. I think I don't know why he hasn't been called up for the England training squad, to be honest. But Because, uh... I mean, what did he play? Seven games? I mean, and obviously, like he, he managed to get to... Newcastle in a decent position, but still. But, I mean, it's, it shows in many ways how... I don't wish to rag on the Premiership at all, but it this year has been somewhat mundanely... There are four or five good teams, and everybody else is a bit shit. And they just can't pick all. You know, they could have picked everyone from Saracens, Exeter, and Wasps, basically. Yes. But that would have been very unrepresentative. So, in order to spread the love around a bit, they've kind of had to. There's not been a lot to love outside of, of that top three or four teams in terms of quality performers this year. And. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. And they wanted to throw it around a bit, the only, didn't they? Yeah, exactly, and and it's a good story, and it's a good you know when Thomas Waldrum's getting nominated for it, and that shows us the sort of level that we're operating at, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, for you, Josh, what have you got? Shit, I've got this week. Uh, yes, um, I'll save my my biggest rant until the <laughs> end. So uh, I'll just say uh, Bristol, or more accurately, what the hell Andy Robinson and Sean Holly are doing when it comes to defensive coaching because um, they won their championship semi-final yesterday by, by 55 points on aggregate um, but in 8 years of futility Bristol's problem has never been scoring tries against average teams their problem has been leaking soft tries in championship finals and throwing leads away and yet despite that um, their defence I watched hmm. the game uh, Ashton Gate on Sunday afternoon and their defensive performance was just historically hilariously awful like that is it's literally the only reason they haven't been promoted in the last three years and yet they still can't defend to save their lives Pat Sanderson on Sky was losing his fucking mind (laughs) on the commentary because time and time again they were just leaving front rowers defending the wide channels and then also leaving huge gaps between 9 and 10 and it wasn't just they did it a couple of times it was practically every defensive set there was a prop or a hooker out sort of 
defending I, an, an inside or outside centre. And it's like you you just and they also got three yellow cards for defensive silliness as well. And it's like what when it comes to the defensive part of the day's training session, do they just like hit tackle bags for five minutes and then go and get an ice cream? They obviously don't do anything. I do don't they? understand how yeah. they. Yeah, but I just I don't understand how they, a, can, they it can affect them so badly for three years on the bounce yeah. and they still haven't it's learned not how like, to defend. In, in my real job, I deal with a law, but I won't go into it. And it's been a law for about nearly ten years. Mm. And I always say to people when I'm training them on this law, I say we are no longer in the position where we can say I'm not really sure what it is, or I wasn't really sure what yes. I was supposed to do because it's new. Well, actually, this is comparable to that. No. Business. You, you can't stand there and go, oh, I didn't really know that was what our problem was. Because as you say, it's failed you no, every single exactly. time for three years. Every single time for three years, and it's. I hope it does because I like Bristol and I'm from. You know, I live in Bristol, and I'm probably going to go to that final. And I don't really want to watch people I know who and like who are lifelong Bristol fans look horribly crestfallen yeah. again. Because you I've don't look like my team at Blind Avenue again. I'm telling you, nobody wants that. No, exactly. Nobody wants that. And and yeah. So there we go. Uh, some stuff off off Twitter. Somebody said that uh, shit. Mm. Gareth Williams said that every single referee in the Pro Twelve was shit this weekend. <laughs> you can you can say that every week. <laughs> it is a worry, isn't it? Leaving aside that tinfoil yeah, hat conspiracy I mean, nonsense about Ireland, forget that. It's just generally not that clever, is it? Yes. No. I mean, we've got Nige and we've got Ben Whitehouse, who's all right. Only because he's like a mini Nige and he's a bit on. charming. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And but he's. he's He's no Nigel in terms of his ability to run a game, and yeah. Well, the problem is that we've got one Italian ref, no Scottish refs, and the rest are Welsh and Irish, and it creates problems, man. It's um, speaking of done. overseas for a minute, and going back to the kind of shit watch thing we did before, generic barman number eighty four mm. on Twitter got in touch and said, "While we're on, <laughs> it's a good name, yeah. While while we're on the top fourteen, which he was at that time, Oyana." They were relegated this weekend yep. at a points difference of minus four hundred and one. That's the, great, the, we could have included them in a, in the section on that, couldn't we? Which we is... could have. Although, let's be honest, if they'd won on the uh, against Stad on the weekend, they might well have got Stad relegated. What so, a uh, weird season! We've done I mean, it before. I'm going to do it again. But what a season it's been for Stad. Bizarre, isn't it? Absolutely. Anything mental. else you got on your list there, Josh? Um, yes. Uh, uh, Murad Bujalal. I mean, we all know that's not everybody's favourite borderline is. Bond villain, Murad Bujalal. Yes, yeah. I mean he's an egotistical arsehole with no respect for the history of the game. Who would clearly destroy international rugby tomorrow if it was up to him. However, um, the way he's come out today and basically said that if Lee Halfpenny is going to go on Wales's tour in June um, and therefore miss some of the pro- uh, top fourteen knockout stages, he's not going to pay his wages, um, which. I mean, it's just fucking shameful, isn't it? It's like he knew when he signed Lee Halfpenny that he was the Lions and Wales fullback. He was one of the best players in the world, but the flip side of that was that he's also an international player who represents his country with pride. And he knew that Kel Surprise, Halfpenny's probably going to want to play for Wales when he is far be it from me to do in IRB. Far be it from me to defend windows. somebody like Bujalal. But mm. he has been without Lee Halfpenny for quite some time. Hasn't he? I, I and he is under contract to his club. In that regard. Yeah, and I sympathise in that regard, but it's just not like some out-of-test window. It's not like he's asking to play this stupid game in June in Twickenham. This is going on an IRB test window sanctioned tour to Is New that Zealand. protected, his contract? You know, 
Yes. Yeah, well, I, I, I'm, I imagine it's protected like all the right, others are. It's an official because window, not, not an extra week is, in the autumn. He is legally. Right. No, no, he's legally bound by IRB regulations to release international players. He's just basically because he's annoyed that he's paid Lee Halfpenny six hundred grand to be in year. rehab. Yeah. To basically, to basically rehab an ACL injury, and then the second that he gets back fit, he's going on. And well, I, I understand that that is very frustrating for him. However, it's not really like instead of just accepting that and going, well, it's really annoying. Yeah. But you know that's what I signed up for. That's See, the, what is written in the contract. What do you th- he's, he's threatening a player's personal livelihood and in some sort of pathetic juvenile attempt to bully him into neglecting his international ambitions, and I just find the that what? really the- pathetic. Like, it's the top 14's fault. It's not his. The worrying thing you see is at Bujalal, you won't put it past him to have some kind of doomsday device that'll come out of the desert in Morocco and he'll fire it directly He'll fire it oh, directly absolutely. at Gusainen and blow it up. Just as a, as a revenge <laughs> for what's been... for, for Halfpenny having the audacity to defy him. No, I would, I, would, I would not put that past him at all. I mean, this is... This is why, like, people like Bujalal are going to ruin this sport that we love if they're allowed to. Because... When they try and grab power, they always try to do it to try and diminish Test rugby and try to make it less important and less special. And and rugby isn't supposed to be a millionaire's vanity project thing. And for people who can't afford to buy football clubs, true. And uh, yeah, it just it okay. like if the top fourteen has scheduled their season in this cack-handed playing through the international window way and taking it out on Lee Halfpenny, I just think is incredibly petty and just. Embarrassing. Moving on to some good stuff. Uh, Fiona K. Hunter on Twitter mm. got in touch again, friend of the pod. Hello, Fiona. Said, um, said the streaker oh. at the Edinburgh Cardiff game is good because while mm. streaking, he stopped for a selfie with Dougie Fife on the pitch. <laughs> I mean, that's great. Never mind running away from those stewards who got a hammer. Yeah, stop selfie. Good lad. Yes. Um, my goods, uh, Ross Moriarty. I've, I know I've been banging on for a while about how he should be playing blindside for Wales, but his try against Saints on the weekend was just ridiculously silly good. Like, yes. The, I mean, the modern game requires a six with dynamism and the power and pace and agility that you show to run through like four tacklers and score from 30 metres out. That was just silly from a six. Brilliant. Chip, chip off the old blocks, eh? Indeed. Careful, rugby league will come again like they did with the dad. Um, Good. Ben Tadman said that again. He mentioned Exeter. He said he's a Quinns fan. Ben Tadman on Twitter, and he said Exeter. We we weren't even that bad, but Exeter put put ten tries past us. Phenomenal, as you said before. I disagree. <laughs> or do you? I disagree. I, I disagree. The Quinns weren't that bad. They were bad. Um, the Exeter was <laughs> what creates the bad. Exeter were very good. Um, yeah, Dave Ewers was brilliant. Um, I don't know how he hasn't played for England yet. He's brilliant. Um, Henry Slade, uh, ridiculous. Like when he broke his ankle a couple of months ago, to think that he'd be back to this level now is crazy. And Jack Noel scored a load of tries, which he doesn't do. Yeah, ever. and actually looked like he knew where a gap was and knew what he was doing rather than just being this kind of lumbering ram man type yeah. strong thing that kind of moves around a bit but never looks that convincing. But yeah. he did. He seems to be, well, he looked better on Saturday, whether he can consistently do it. I no, don't well, know, that is he, he, does, isn't it? he doesn't score enough tries. That's, no, that's he really his doesn't. biggest problem, really. Um, from a, I can't work again if this is good or shit really but a couple of people have mentioned it. Ian McGilp and the Scottish Rugby blog on on Twitter said Sila um, uh, Puafisi for uh, his Eddie Ho- his Street Fighter Eddie Honda style flying headbutt on him <laughs> in the Connor game which won it's probably shit because it probably lost them the game oh it actually. absolutely did I mean they were tied at 7-all midway through uh, the second half and, and the stupid thing is that he'd been warned 
literally seconds before about afters and off the ball shit and then the ref blew up for a penalty and Glasgow Prof decided to fly into a ruck head first and as you say E Honda Kira Marmin's temple directly in front of the touch <laughs> judge I mean it's just spectacularly dumb um, and everybody hates Eddie Honda on Street Fighter nobody plays he's him. the easy nobody guy likes him. he's the, the shit guy Eddie Honda punch thing so the ref probably like... said look you're definitely going off for that because you reminded me of that shit bloke of Street Fighter 2. <laughs> um, other good, speaking of that game, um, Bundiaki. Not only one of the most fun names to say in all of rugby, let's be honest. Um, Big Connacht Centre was voted Pro 12 Player of the Season on Sunday night and uh, rightly so, let's be honest. Um, he scored yeah. another crucial try in the win over Glasgow and basically his ever-present in the Connacht midfield has been a huge part of why they've been so good this year I really thought it was and, uh, a, I thought it was very interesting actually that somehow RTE managed to get Richie McCaw to talk about Bundiaki I don't know whether they just like chartered his helicopter or something and like held him hostage and interviewed him along the way or whatever but anyway Richie um, was very effusive in his praise of Aki and basically said that um, New Zealand Rugby Union needed to find a way to get him back down south so he could play for the All Blacks which uh would probably not be music mm. to the ears of anybody in the IRFU given that he's the only reason that he came over was that he was supposed to be a project player. I've, the old blacks have got a kind of unwritten rule they never take people back. It's kind of admission of defeat, isn't it? It's an admission of it's kind of admission of their that they'd fail in there once you leave, you're not as good as we are and you can't make it and fuck off sort yes. of thing. I mean I think kind of their I, whole attitude I, isn't I mean it? this has come from Richie McCaw who has nothing to do with the all blacks anymore, don't forget. Um but yeah, yeah, yeah. I just th- I thought it was. It was one of those, wasn't it? Would you say Bundiaki is good enough to play for the All Blacks again, Richie? Well, yes, one of, those, I would. one of those interviews. Yes, can yes. I just, I just can, finish landing? Can I go now? Can I finish landing the helicopter in a minute? Thank yeah. you. Um, <laughs> but it would be, it would be very. I just think it would be incredibly interesting if, having obviously nailed his colours to the Irish mast and said, "I want to play for Ireland," despite having no ties to them whatsoever. Um, but by all accounts, really, sort of integrating into the lifestyle of Connacht very well from everything I've heard if if New Zealand suddenly came calling and said come back home and play mm. for the All Blacks it would be very interesting to test the metal of quite how committed a project player is to their new country Speaking of big quick uh, chunky lads mm. uh, Tom Repker on Twitter said uh, good was Tubby Sinclair Carl Sinclair at Quinn's mm. Who scored a try that no one that round should ever manage to do for the second successive week? <laughs> However, he, he is nippy, isn't he? He is nippy. However, um, he also had a moment where I think it was in the lead up to Jack Noel's third try on Saturday, where the ball was basically spilled and it was just on the floor in front of him, and he just sort of stared at it and didn't move. I mean, I know it takes quite a lot for him to move, but <laughs> but he just like just waited there until until the the extra scrum off picked it up, and then they promptly spread it wide and scored and it's just like if he'd have just fallen yeah, on it that try would not have happened as you said before though he was already looking into the distance at the palm trees he could see in his holidays well there is that a little bit yeah anything else Josh uh, yes uh, on the good stakes uh, Christian Wade um, he scored mm. another try this weekend and the main reason that uh, I've put him in the good column this weekend is that the most important part about that try he scored this weekend is that now brings him to 12 tries on the season so he's just one behind Chubby Tommy on the Premiership scoring chart and he's heading into the uh, exactly final denouement of the season I know I'm clutching at straws here I know but I'm clinging on to the hope that Wade can bag himself a hat-trick next week and maybe stop Waldron from winning the top scorer award for a second season running if he doesn't 
our only hope is Chris Ashton somehow overhauling a four-try deficit. Yeah, he's I just, really that, I he? just don't see it. So, come on, Christian, no. do it for yes. Come for on, rug- Christian, do, do it, it for rugby. Do it. You, you know, it, you're still not going to get an England cap. Probably it not. Seems, no, but never mind. Keep going. <laughs> right, Indeed. we'll move on from the shit good ratings Indeed. there. That's and we'll move on to. Uh, no, no, we won't because you wanted. There was one. You were keeping your powder dry. Oh, I was, not? wasn't I? Um, yes. You were keeping my, your powder dry for one for one my last final shit. shit. And this brings me no joy whatsoever. Um, but it's Steve Tandy, the Ospreys head coach. Like I've bit my tongue about his merits or lack thereof because I actually really like the guy and I like the fact that he cost cutting exercise, Steve Tandy. Exactly, and I like the fact that he turned around and won the Pro Twelve in his first season, and he's generally sort of vaguely looked like he knew what he was doing. But since he won the Pro Twelve in that first season, he's managed a single playoff appearance in four seasons, zero European knockout appearances, and there's just a sense that like. Poor recruitment and poor coaching is conspiring to badly use what I still think is probably the most talented team in Wales. Like, a team sporting the likes of Dan Bigger, Reese Ware, Ballinwyn Jones, Dan Lydia, Justin Tipperick, Scott Baldwin, Eli Walker, Sam Underhill, they should be in the title hunt every year. And injuries and Wales call-ups, they're just not an acceptable excuse anymore. But, like, it doesn't seem for well, some... Well, not, not when you've got somebody like Sam Davis, who was filling well, the Sam, gap very exactly. well. Exactly. Young player, young of, the, player of the year. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And, the team of the year, yeah. And that despite this chronic underachievement, at no point has it seemed like his job is under threat. And I honestly think that that sort of culture of rewarding mediocrity and incompetence from the coaches has kind of just fed through to the players. And that was kind of evidenced by their total lack of giving a fuck on Saturday afternoon in the second half. Like the time has come, the Walrus said, to get some decent coaches in at the Ospreys. And after years of being skint, like there's no need to. Uh, stick with a coach that was appointed on a cost-cutting measure anymore like they finally got a bit of a wedge to chuck about and they spent it on players but they don't need to settle for a bargain basement coach anymore like it's kind of like taking all this what's Gareth Jenkins doing at the minute <laughs> steady on <laughs> I said I said not bargain basement <laughs> but it's kind of like putting like getting all this really nice M&S shopping and then sticking it in one of those like really shitty carrier bags that you get from like that get your cans in from the corner shop. <laughs> Bargain booze. Yes, exactly. And it's like it might do the job in the short term, but eventually the lack of quality is going to mean that you end up with your groceries all over the pavement. And that yeah. is basically. And you'll, be, and you'll be embarrassed walking around with it. Exactly. And, and that's basically this season for the Ospreys. So yeah, Steve Tandy, it's been great, but he's just not but good enough anymore. Kindly do one. Yeah, basically. Well, yeah, our friend on Twitter, who was a consistent Steve Tandy, uh, <laughs> whose name I can't remember now. He must, I do be, he must be delighted. Those of you listening, he must be delighted by mm-hmm. being proven. Ab- and, hey, and I'll admit it out there: you've been proven absolutely right. Yep, too right. Uh, so that was a shit good race. Thank you very much. So speaking of shit things, mm. um, I've been consistently fuming about the TMO for large parts of this season. Yeah. Um, as of you, as is everybody, really. Anybody who still thinks the TMO is a good, is doing its job particularly well, is either lying, blind, or mad. So we said, what should we do about the TMO? How do you? I have. How do you solve a problem like the TMO? How do you solve a problem Julie Andrews like didn't the TMO? Sing once. That's right. So how do you solve a problem like the TMO? Now I've got on record as saying, and I will say this now: there are two things, maybe the top of three things we bring them together that I think need to be done. Hmm. One. It should only ever be used in the act of scoring. Okay. So it's either grounding, okay. touch, and monitoring things like that. I'm absolutely convinced that the so the, the there should only be one call the ref can make. In that the ref has to make a call first. 
So therefore, the only question that the refs allowed to ask the TMO is, is there any reason why I can't give this? Mm, okay. He either, he either orders no try, yeah, or he says, it's a try. Have you got any particular reason why I can't give it? Okay. See, because, I mean, I, I see the need for a TMO in rugby because it's such a hard yeah. sport to get right. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm not saying... And, and, right but, like, and I, I, I don't agree with you in that they should... Because like, I think that it, it needs to be used for unpleasant off-the-ball shit as well if that sort of thing goes on because it's quite nasty and unpleasant and we don't need that in our sport. But there's no getting away from the fact that it takes too long. And that, for me, is more of a problem than, like... I don't so many much mind what they're asking it's just got to happen quicker and like, I think if you look at I think the, the Super Rugby guys are looking into implementation of this NRL bunker style thing of TMO stuff that they've been doing in the NRL this year which is basically it's like a centralised um, like super state of the art facility where the video refs have access to all of the camera angles at once at the touch of a button With they don't need to get the broadcaster involved they don't need to do any of that stuff and they could basically just call them all up instantly. It's like it's the sort yeah, of yeah, but like... they might they might be like my granddad who ends up pressing the wrong button and turns the adult channel on. <laughs> but that's the thing. Apparently, it has massively sped up um, TMO stuff in the NRL this year. Right. And it's gone down as a bit of a resounding success. And I mean, there was a moment in the Ospreys Ulster game uh, on the weekend where Marius Mastreya went to the TMO for Chris Henry's try, decided it was a try. Um, and then as Paddy Jackson was lining up the conversion, Derek Bevan, the TMO, got on on the on the microphone and was like, oh, no, 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 I found you another angle. Got to look at it. And so Paddy Jackson's sitting there with the ball on the tee waiting to take the conversion. I mean, that's absolutely ridiculous, and, isn't it? And I mean, it's absolutely... I mean, regardless of how thing, many angles you're going to use for how long, that just shouldn't be allowed anyway. No, it's it's, it's bollocks. But that is... I honestly think that, like, the problem we have with, with TMO is, is that it takes too long because the broadcasters have to sort of get all of their video packages yeah. together and show them the incident and then oh, spin it on, spin it on, note back, show me the other. Yeah. And it's like, if the refs could just go, well, there, 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 and there, and oh, yes, no, done. And it, it just takes, like, you basically just take three or four of these sort of middlemen that are getting in the way and it speeds the whole thing up and then it's not nearly so annoying. And there definitely, but, shouldn't, there definitely shouldn't be any large screen replays on in the stadium. No, I do think that's a, oh, that it drives me mad when it's blatantly happened that the ref has gone to the TMO because the crowd has got narky about something because it's like either it happened or it didn't happen. Like the, there's no place in the crowd like influencing wait, the ref in that. You said you said about I wasn't really considering the the foul play stuff actually, but mm. I, my point is is that in ordinary play, in terms of points. Mm. It should only ever be using the act of scoring. What's what's your view on that? Do you think it should be going back from that, or I think I know what you're saying, and I, I completely agree that this when you're going back like four or five phases to look for a mistake, it's like the game's gone on by then. It's like if a team has had if a team's had an opportunity to not fuck things up, like yeah. So say there was a, a knock-on that wasn't missed three phases back and then a try is scored. Well, you had three phases to get your defensive shape right and repel So would you attack. go back at all? I wouldn't go back that far. How I far think, would you go back then? I think one phase tops. Like, if it's like... If the ball has been, you know, has gone to ground and a ruck has been formed yeah. and a defensive line, then uh, as far as I'm concerned, you kind of... It's on you to actually do something about it now, unless somebody has been like 
obviously like taken out or something like that then but that would be a foul play call anyway wouldn't it that yes exactly I mean I, I was interested I was watching the Challenge Cup game between St. Helens and Hull on Sunday afternoon actually and I don't watch a lot of rugby league to be honest with you but um I was noticing that the ref seemingly I'm not sure if this is the rule or whether he was just deciding to do that um, he basically was specifically telling the TMO what he thought had happened and then the TMO was basically saying yay or nay hmm. so he was saying oh can you just check if that player knocked that on there otherwise we're fine and it wasn't that the referee then spent 10 minutes examining the footage seeing if there was any other kind of foul play going on he just went oh yeah well there was no knock on so and I, I kind of I just the thing that fucks me off more than anything about the TMO is that referees then use it as a way to not make a decision and yeah, I just think that's that the biggest I agree with you on that force. that's the biggest thing that, that that boils my piss to a level that's, that's volcanic because it is just yeah. it's it's absolutely ludicrous either make a call yeah. or don't yeah it's like has there been a, you know is there any reason to not award a try just sort of just winds me up because it's like you must know that there's something that you think is amiss that you're not rewarding it for so ask does he go a foot in touch ask if there's a knock yeah. on don't say is know, there any reason is, yeah. was there a, I just want to check yeah. this one was, thing was the light yeah. shining on his eyes off the back of the you yeah know, so actually amend, amending my position I would sort of say okay fine the ref should make a call but and then say is it, mm. it but should specifically ask a question I say, you know it's either not a try in which case I'm not going upstairs at all because I'm happy with that no exactly it, Yeah. I think it's a try However, can you just check the foot in touch? Can you just check the grounding? Not any reason yeah. at all. Because any reason at yeah. all is like, oh, well, yeah. this bloke over here did something. And it just doesn't make yeah, any exactly. sense at all. Yeah, and then you end up with this ridiculous rigmarole where you do have, you know, a, a, the any reason not to award. You're looking for knock-ons. You're looking for foul play. You're looking for offside. You're looking for yeah. foot in touch. Me asking for, for 18 things. angles for each of them. Yeah, exactly. And then you both you've wasted five minutes. On then, the CMO, then they decide it's a knock on, and they make go... a scrum, and the scrum takes twelve minutes to set and reset itself until it comes out. <laughs> Elite level rugby, ladies oh, and gentlemen. Yeah. Elite level rugby. Oh, yes. So, I mean, to be honest, is there any is there any appetite at the governing bodies to change any of this? I don't think there is. I think they're fairly happy, aren't they? Well, I'm intrigued because the, the Super Rugby is talking about this whole bunker thing, and it's it has. They think say it's sort of basically taken fifty percent off the average time that it takes a TMO call. So seven minutes instead of fourteen, it would be in review. I don't even <laughs> no, think it, no. it was. It was I'm being quite, silly. It was but decent yeah, yeah, enough, it to, but it, 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 apparently fans like it a lot because it is basically some bloke in a in a in surrounded a room by screens, loads of fucking massive iPads. It's like yeah, Jean Michel like Jarre concert in the eighties. He's surrounded but... by lasers and pointed at screens and things. <laughs> One exactly for the kids like again. That. There, I'm good with this stuff. Yeah, but oh yes, oh yeah, we're keeping it current. But um, yeah, if Super Rugby does implement something like that, I think yeah, anything that makes it quite quicker, a good idea, just certainly for ridiculous. Like, All I ask is just don't yeah. go back into like history, ridiculous. Literally, you know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. parking tickets. That's what it feels like. It's and no, it takes it mean. takes all the joy out of the game. Yeah, because you spend like twenty minutes looking at the same yeah. replay. I'd rather have the, the joy and have my team suffer. Mm. And I'd rather have the joy and the despair, if you know what I mean, than and yeah. have my team suffer than go through all of this. I'd honestly rather have sort of core given against me that then the game become just an endless chain of this shit happening all the time. Because yeah. some games, you know, it's being called for half a dozen times. It's just not acceptable no. at all. Well, I can sort of understand why it's happening though, because like 
in this age of social media and instant sort of hot takes and all that shit, you know. Yeah, but people are idiots. Rest, the people, Joe Marler thing proved that. Well, exactly. Don't pay well, attention thing, to like, people, including me. And the, you, you know, the rugby. You know, any time that there's a bad decision that a ref makes, there's columns written about it. You know, there's and. And, and and it would probably have a knock on to the players as well because if if they've got to try and get these things right and I sympathise with that because they will get absolutely fucking hung drawn and quartered by by both Twitter but Facebook and and you know the press oh. and so I understand why they want to get it right but oh so it's my fault that it, is what you're saying basically <laughs> um but we you know we're right to say. He should have got that right because he should have got that right. But when he doesn't, you know. But there's nothing wrong with getting it wrong. This is the thing. There's nothing wrong with saying you should have got that right. But there's nothing wrong with it not being right. This is where the, this is where everything's gone wrong. That actually we've tried to get everything so right, we're possibly ruining mm. the fucking game. And actually, is it better to just be right all the time and create this nightmare that pisses everybody off and and ruins the game as a spectacle to a certain level, just to be always right? Well, that's the thing, isn't it? You no know, players just... knock on; it happens. They can't go back and recatch the fucking ball, can they? What's the? No, and I think that's the problem that you don't want to get. You don't. You basically don't want it to be like football, where football's refusal to engage with technology to make sure. That oh, absolutely. Refs get and I'm not saying right scrap it. I'm not saying that at all. Is, no. Is but you look at the way that it sort of erodes the respect for refs and from both players and fans and you don't want that to be the case in rugby but I do agree with you that it's almost like they've taken the sort of carpet bombing nuclear option Yeah, that we're going to make sure that every little thing is right even if it means that an 80 minute game takes like <laughs> nearly, nearly 50% more yeah. time than that because we're fanning it about and there's got to be this just got to be a middle ground surely as usual that's probably the right way isn't it there's a there's a third way <laughs> who would have thought there should be some semblance of compromise somewhere well that indeed work. well there you go that's our little riff on a TMO let us know what you think what indeed. do you suggest with a TMO I've got some you know I've thrown my stuff out there Josh is there his piece at Blood and Mud at Josh Gardner at Twitter let us know or you can indeed. email us probably somehow find out yourselves can't be bothered telling you yeah uh, uh, okay so we've reached in the end of another hour we, we always fill up the hour we and uh, we are finishing with a track from the loop or going into the loop as usual the loop is now available on Spotify ladies and gentlemen Ooh. I've set it up as a playlist on Spotify apart from Against the Wind by Bob Seger because Bob Seger's not on Spotify the miserable tight-fisted beardy bastard <laughs> um, so you'll have to find out you'll have to find out when you set up a yourself. Tidal playlist it <laughs> must be on there oh, I don't, I don't the, understand that that's mis- like Snapchat all the miserable ones are on Tidal <laughs> <laughs> so it is on I'll, I'll post the link again for you if you if you desperately want to subscribe to this playlist but anyway it's the world's first and only rugby-related playlist. It is available on, on, on Spotify. We update it once a week. And this week, it is run by Snow Patrol because it does exactly what it says on the tin. Thank you, Josh. Always a See pleasure. you next week. We haven't Take done a preview care. of the European Cup, I've just realised. Very oh, quickly, yeah. um, who do you think is going to win? Probably Saracens, let's be honest. I think Saracens are going to win, and I'll be glad if they win. I think, as much as I despise them, at least they haven't... No, they have gone the way through money, haven't they? Oh, yeah, I don't know. Can... Maybe Boojalol will fire his doomsday device at the stadium and we'll... Maybe, maybe we'll, we won't have to worry about any of this. Maybe we'll all be living <laughs> in some sort of weird post-Boojalol apocalyptic paradise. So, leaving you on that note, a post-Boojalol apocalyptic <laughs> paradise with a soundtrack of Run by Snow Patrol, which in a way seems apt. We'll see you next <laughs> week. Bye. Take care. Bye. <laughs>
At Calor, we've always looked at the future, leading the way with our renewable gas bio-LPG. Ideal for off-grid homes and businesses, it cuts emissions by up to 90%. So, if like Mary and Mick Gorman and Abby Leakes, you're looking for a cleaner, more efficient way to cook and heat your home, our renewable gas is the right solution for you. And one that protects the planet too. Bio-LPG. Renewable gas from Calor. Find out more at calorgas.ie. Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.